Every Woman is a feminist show that highlights the struggles, triumphs, and accomplishments of women and girls and the men who support them. Every Woman includes a rich intersection of female voices that represent a wide range of ethnicities, social and economic status, as well as political and spiritual beliefs, with the purpose to enact social, political, environmental, and economic change. The views and opinions expressed on Every Woman are those of the hosts and the guests and do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Midcoast Radio Project Incorporated, KKFI staff, board, or management. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Every Woman today on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is Una here in the studio with Fiona. Hi, Fiona. Hi, Una. Been here for a little while and been having a great uh, afternoon of social justice, and this hour is no exception. We have a very special treat because by kind permission of the Great Debate League, we are going to listen to a debate between... uh, Janaba Lumumba Phillips, excuse me for not getting the name quite right, and Katina Taylor about the role that feminism has played in what they see as a weakening of the black family structure. And several pundits have made the assumption that feminist ideals coupled with racist social policies have exiled black men from their families, leaving behind a fractured community. However, black feminist scholars and activists have pushed back against this, saying that calls for gender equality are only a threat to those who want to uphold the patriarchy. So we are going to let these two strong women of color talk about this issue and step back and i hope that you all enjoy thank you the question is how do we move forward you have to have these difficult conversations Can you hear me now? Good evening, Great Debate League. We appreciate you for being with us tonight. My name is Ebony Johnson, and I'm your moderator and host for this evening's debate. I hope that you can stay with us until the very end, as we rely on your vote to determine the winner. Tonight's debate is brought to you by TT Talks, LLC. TT Talks is a pan-African multimedia company specializing in various forms of content creation, including podcasts and music production. Learn more at tttalks.com. Our debate topic for this evening, feminism and black families. A long-standing argument in the African-American community has centered around the role that feminism has played in the weakening of the black family structure. Several pundits have made the assumption that feminist ideals coupled with racist social policies, exiled black men from their families, leaving behind a fractured community. 
However, black feminist scholars and activists have pushed back against this assertion, noting that calls for gender equality were only a threat to those who wanted to uphold the patriarchy and continue the oppression of black women. Tonight's premise, the black woman's acceptance of feminism contributes to the destruction of the black family structure. Tonight's guiding definitions, feminism, the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of equality of the sexes. Family structure, consisting of two or more people related by birth, marriage, or adoption residing in the same housing unit. Destruction, the action or process of causing so much damage to something that it no longer exists or cannot be repaired. Arguing the affirmative position is Janaba Phillips, born in Oakland, California, as a legacy child of the Black Revolutionary Struggle of the 60s. Janaba is a solid revolutionary vanguard, spreading the gospel of African internationalism. Today, she continues that legacy as a speaking member of the Uhuru Movement's impeded organization dedicated to peace, bread, and Black power. Arguing the negative position is Katia K. Taylor, a resident of Kansas City, Missouri, JD, and co-founder of Elements of Education KC. Katina is an edpreneur working to connect, inspire, support, and honor amazing African-American women in the field of education. She has lent her voice, gifts, talents, and skills to reshaping education as a teacher, speaker, workshop facilitator, consultant, community organizer, and volunteer. This is an exhibition debate and will be unranked. There will be no personal attacks of any kind, no profanity, and no interrupting. Round one, opening statements. Each participant will provide an uninterrupted opening statement. We will begin with Jada Phillips arguing the affirmative. Thank you. Uh, this uh, presentation is dedicated to Yejide Orumula. Happy birthday, comrade. I salute you. Uh, the truth is, is that the first feminists were black. We weren't called feminists because we didn't need to at home in free Africa. Even through slavery and as far back as the women's suffrage movement, black women participated but were overlooked by the white women who led. And so now you have black women, including Sojourner Truth, Ida B. Wells, who grew the movement to half a million black women who really needed help, but they would never find acceptance amongst mainstream suffragists. Why? Well, at that time, they were actively wooing Southern white members. And to appease the Southerners, the white suffragists abandoned their black sisters. They minimized the presence of black women and sieged control of suffrage history. It's already been documented that white women wrote us out of the history of the suffrage movement. We reject feminism because they have hijacked the definition. 
As president of the African National Women's Organization, Yejide Orumula stated, as white women grapple with gaining rights in white society, they still had African women in their kitchen and as wet nurses for their babies. It's bigger than equal pay opportunity and access because we don't want opportunity to work in your colonial parasitic institutions. We demand independence. We are the women who will always remain the historical leaders, but under colonialism, we've had to work. Black women always had to work, but now we are working to build self-determination in the interest of the people. Feminism simply means to fight for white women to have a slice of the colonial pie, especially in law enforcement and the military, institutions that contribute to the destruction of the black family structure. White-led feminism resulted in the increase of white women in seats that traditional white men held, a subtle reminder of their silence during the ravages and rapes of our mothers during slavery. We can lead our own struggle outside of the dark shadow of white feminism. Become an African internationalist. Uhuru. And now for Katina Taylor, arguing the negative. Good evening. Thank you so much for the opportunity to participate. Feminism did not destroy the black family. And here's why. Blaming black women who are anti-sexism and patriarchy for the decline in the rate of black marriage that has been plaguing the black community for the last decades. Mm -mm. This narrative is not only ridiculous, but entirely lacking in factual basis. And here's why. Feminism predates the decline of black marriage. The most obvious proof that this narrative is false is that feminism predates the decline in rates of black marriages. The first organized feminist event, the Women's Conference, held in Seneca Falls in 1848. Mm -hmm. I know some people that want to argue that black women magically joined the feminism in the 60s and 70s, but that's not true. They were there. In fact, black women were part of organized feminism from the very beginning. Sojourner Truth gave her famous Ain't I a Woman speech at the Women's Conference of 1851. Frederick Douglass was an organizer of and speaker at the very first conference in 1848. If black women believing in feminism killed the black family, then it died over 130 years too late. Sorry. Some opponents of black feminists love to claim that prior to the advent of feminism, all black women were sweet, submissive housewives, that evil fem feminism swept in, made all the women strong and gave us attitudes so men left. False. There has never been a period where black women in America as a collective were housewives. Were there some black men who made enough to keep their women at home? Of course. But in a world where black men were mostly underpaid and never allowed to make more or equal to a white man with an equal skill set, this was not the norm. Black women worked alongside black men in the fields as equals when they were slaves and entered the workforce to help support their families all the same. Black women have never been separate wise. Black women as a collective have never been afforded that luxury. So, this welfare thing is untrue as well, and it is not based in fact. Some like to argue that feminism taught black women that they didn't need a man, only welfare. They also like to claim that black women chose welfare over having a black man in the home or that welfare is some kind of conspiracy to bribe 
black women into kicking men out. While it's true that the requirement to get welfare used to be that women receiving benefits could not have a man in the household, mimic women will receive benefits then hide their man when the caseworker came to visit or truly had an absent man to begin with. No woman is going to leave a man who is present and can provide for government cheese, canned goods, or poverty, or anyone who claims to think otherwise is intellectually dishonest or flat-out stupid. Round two. This is the lightning round that allows for an open cross-examination between both participants to engage in interrogation of their opponent's position. This is a shared time frame for both debaters. Ladies. How you doing? Um, I guess um, I'll start. I really want to know, you know, on a material basis, what has feminism done for black people? Well, the argument is not what feminism has done for the black family or for black people. The, the hypothesis is that feminism has contributed to the demise of the black family. So that's the real question. We're not here to prove what it has helped. We are here to prove the assertion that it has actually declined. And if we want to make that argument, we have to understand that the black family, based upon the trauma that it experienced long before feminism became popular in the 50s and the 60s, that the attack and the traumatization of the black family, the deterioration of the black family, the the physical, the psychological to mental and the emotional deterioration of the black family happened before black people ever stepped foot on the continent of these Americas. So how, so on a material basis, how does feminism build the black family? Again, the argument is not that feminism builds up the black family. Your assertion, your, your assertion is that feminism has contributed to the demise or the destruction of the black family. So that's what you're here to prove. And I'm simply here to debunk that. No, uh, during the lightning round, we can ask example like questions like, for example, what did white feminists do to stop lynching after Reconstruction? Nothing at all. But again, that's not the argument. So let's let's talk about white supremacy in and of itself, right? So when we when, when we address this whole topic of feminism, what we're actually doing is blaming the people closest to us, and that generally comes from black men, if we want to really be honest, or men in general, that they want to force and continue to put patriarchy and misogynistic values that really are centered in white supremacy and racism forward. And because they've been subjected by and to white supremacy and they can't fight it and win, then ultimately we become the victims of their rage and their anger. And so So how how would you define the current primary issue that like what's the current primary issue that black feminism is working to overturn in the black community? Well, black feminism is working to overturn any codified and legalize inequality as it relates to all people, specifically black women, um, black men as well. We don't subscribe mainly and really and truly to the notion that feminism as a whole is something that black women have bought into. That's why you hear the terms black feminism. That's why you hear the term intersectionality. That's why you hear the term uh, womanism, because we understand so how you, that feminism how in the traditional sense has not assisted the black 
people as a whole, which that has been the efforts of black women from the beginning is moving the black people as a whole forward. So are you saying that there's no way to measure how black feminism is helping contribute to the black family structure? Is there a way to quantitative and quantitative? I think it is a way to measure. How Um, can we measure the quantitative? Black women have consistently held up the family. Black women have consistently drove the economic power in our communities. So in that way, black feminism, womanism, intersectionality, of course, moves our entire group of people together. But let me ask this question of you. So your argument is that feminism in and of itself has contributed to the demise of the black family. How so? What I'm saying is, is that when we have white women who have begun a movement and we begin to trail behind them, they are not going to propel our issues to the forefront. We don't need to define it as black feminism. When we do that, when we allow intersectionality to become a part of the discussion, all that you do is cloak white women from criticism of their opportunism. And it allows black feminists to unite with white feminists just because you have this intersectionality thing where you talk about race, class, and gender, but the key word is talking, and there's no solution embedded to solve any of the contradictions being raised, including misogyny or misogynoir. In fact, the only solution that white feminists tend to have is to call the police. There's no way out of the criticism outside of male leadership being criticized as opposed to the entire foundation of the basis of patriarchy, which is yet I haven't heard an argument or anything to substantiate how feminism has contributed to the demise of the black family. And I I can tell you exactly. Let me give you some Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that white feminists and feminism in general does is propel and accelerate black women, especially into their institutions. So you can become a white police officer. You can become um, you can have white women thrust to the top of their institutions when they want to end school shootings. They're going to rally around that. But when we've been having shootings going on in our communities, there was silence and crickets from the white women. In fact, even if you want to take it back to the beginning during the lynching, the white women were quiet after the lynchings during Reconstruction. So here again, we have an example of the so-called leadership. If you want to become a segment, so there's white feminism, um, suddenly because there's a segment called black feminism. What that does is it contributes to the demise in the black family by allowing you to participate in what they got going on, which is against the black family. You can become uh, the uh, best uh, uh, judge, if you want, you could become the but you could become the best police officer if you want, but not do they do not address our specific issues as a collective. So white feminists, however, are not actually defining what intersectionality is. That's Kimberly Crenshaw. Um, white feminists are not determining what Africana womanism is or what black feminism is. No. No white feminist, and, and there's not necessarily any integration between the two. So you don't see black women clamoring at the bit to say, we want to go to the women's march. We want I to participate and do that. So if that's the case, and your argument is that, you know, black women can achieve because now we're integrated or melding into white feminism no, or feminism in the, tr- in, the tr- in the traditional sense, 
then I'm still not hearing an argument that actually supports the notion that feminism in any shape, form or fashion has contributed to the demise of the black family. Because if we haven't bought into it and we're not actively participating per se, then please help me understand how we're falling in line with traditional feminism and therefore working to destruct or demolish or break down the black family. What is your question? I'm, I'm trying to, to understand your, your, your hypothesis. I'm trying to understand your hypothesis. There's, it's not a hypothesis. It's not a hypothesis. There's an economic foundation. The reason why black people have, were brought here is an economic thing. While white women were fighting for rights, they spearheaded the so-called feminist movement, even though we are, you implied that black women have been fighting for, we've been feminists and leading organizations, leading families and whatnot since the beginning of time, then why call it feminism in the beginning? That's just what black women do. If we're going to define something if we're going to say that this is feminism, which has already been defined predominantly, so if you're you're going to use have we ever have we as a collective to have create we, a segment from it? What have that we as the collective people ever defined bottom, anything or and named allowed anything? them to push their issues to the front by creating a segment? We need to step away from feminism and embrace our own ideas. So is, the argument, so is the argument that we haven't embraced our own ideas or is no, the argument the that there is a naming feminism? Is how does feminism or does feminism contribute to the destruction of the black family? If feminism is propelling and pushing black women and all women in general to be leaders of the already corrupt system that we have, then what are we fighting for? I don't necessarily know that feminism is per, is is forcing anyone to be the head of anything. The argument in any women's movement, be it feminism, be it the, the conversation around intersectionality, womanism, um, Africana womanism, feminism, however you want to say it, it's really about being treated fairly and equally. That we are removing men who, from a Eurocentric and white supremacist view or lens, have been catapulted to leadership. And women have been minimized as if they are just a supplement to the existence of men. So if the movement is about equality for all women. I understand that. What we're saying is that we're approaching it from two different root structures. You believe that the root cause is patriarchy. I'm saying that patriarchy was caused based on colonialism. When we were back home in Africa drinking mango juice off the lips of our kings, and some of us, even though we weren't kings and queens, we still didn't exist in so-called ghettos and things that we have now. In fact, we could actually walk around butt naked in our tribes at home without uncle, someone trying to rape us or worrying about an old crazy white man up the street who's going to come and flash and snatch your child. These are objective realities that are new to black women. We, when we were at home in Africa in basking in the sun, recharging our melanin, white women were having struggles with their men. They were having struggles in the caves of Africa that were separate from us. It's very true that black women and white women have a separate idea of feminism. What I'm saying is, is that when Ida B. Wells and Sojourner Truth were fighting to gain exposure on what was happening to black women, it was white women. That, and, and it wasn't such a long time ago. This isn't inconceivable. With thrust, I'm not saying individuals, but with thrust, their 
issues to the forefront. We see that even today. And the example is the white women's march when they were talking about the school shootings and whatnot. Didn't you see them all come together? We see them all on the news. They march. We said that we didn't even know. We didn't even know white women existed in this massive numbers outside of Starbucks. So what we're talking about is facing the root cause. Patriarchy exists, but at this massive amount, this is new for African people. We had different types of sexualities in the tribe. We, we had freedom and liberation over our own lives. What I'm saying is that this is brand new and the root source is not patriarchy. So, so again, what is the root cause? Colonialism. And so we would agree on that point. White, white supremacist culture. Um, uh, well, then that's great. But, but here's, the, here's the thing, though. I'm still not hearing an argument that solidly says feminism has contributed to. So that, 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 okay. that is the, okay. the conversation. Okay. I'm not now, hearing it. So if we, so we want to, we want to talk about the three phases or the three waves of feminism, right? So that's what I want to talk about. That's what we're going to go. Or are you saying what you want to talk about? Well, I'm saying let's talk about the issue at hand and what's being posited and the the hypothesis, because I don't think we're there yet. So we have three waves of feminism. We have three waves of feminism. The 1840s was the first wave. The 1950s, 1950s and 60s was the second wave. Listen, and I, I would like we, to be a lightning round where we ask questions and not a lecture round. I, I want to engage in an ideological struggle. I don't want to sit through a lecture. I don't think there's a format for the 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 this round. There the is. Round. There is. is it? I can round. Ladies, ladies, this round you are able to engage in cross-examination of each other. So that means I can make statements as well, correct? Yes. Yes. Thank you. So either you you grab the mic or you don't. But in any case, when we start talking about fem- feminism and the fact that people are positing that women's black women's level of embracing this notion of feminism, first of all, we ignore the first wave, we ignore the third wave, and we get centered in the 1950s and, and 60s. As we talk about when feminism became most popular in these Americas. And what I'm saying is that black women had long before that been attempting to move not only themselves, but certainly their men, their children, their family, their extended family forward. And they it was not in, in any shape, form or fashion about feminism, feminism in regards to the demise of the black family. There were so many other factors that occurred before, during, and after that were codified and sanctioned in the laws of this land. And therefore, those are the things that more importantly um, and had more of a dramatic effect in regards to the demise of the black family. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to lay it at the feet of feminism because that then ignores the whole white supremacist, Eurocentric, colonized foundation we have. Now for round three, audience question and answer. We invite our audience to submit questions for the debaters. Each participant will be given the chance to respond to each question uninterrupted. Please submit your questions now. As we bring up our audience questions, please support our growth by donating to our cash app, dollar sign, The Great Debate League. TT Talks podcast is hosted by Adrian Bates. You can support this black woman entrepreneur today. 
She has new merch available at tttalks.com. You can visit the website and order your own TT Talks hoodie. This is a classic hoodie with the TT Talks logo surrounded by the slogan and the website of the, on the hood and lower back. And now we will take our first audience question. Arguing the affirmative, Jana Phillips will have one minute and 30 seconds for the first audience question. And that question is, do white feminists care about the black community? Janaba? You know, um, you can't look at it on an individual basis. We do have um, some former white feminists who become African internationalists in solidarity. Um, but in terms of white feminists leading African people, Absolutely not. Um, it's inherent that their struggle is to support um, the colonial status quo, and that is at the expense of African people. So, no, they cannot. Thank you, Janaba. And now arguing the negative, Katina. Do white feminists care about the black community? So I'm all about... Um, making sure that we are dealing from facts. So first and foremost, I wanna say, um, it's a misnomer that the majority of white women are feminists because they are not, and the numbers don't support that. So let's be clear there. Um, do I believe that women that um, define themselves as white feminists care about the black community? Some do, some don't. But when we start talking about the overarching movement, feminist movement, is it to the benefit of black people? Absolutely not. Thank you for that. And now for our second audience question. We are really getting into, ladies, we appreciate your participation in this debate as we're bringing up our second audience question. It's been fun already. All right, I still haven't heard how feminism is destroying the black family yet. Janaba, we'll give that to you first. Yes. Feminism destroys the black family by propelling and catapulting women, whether they be white or black, to take seats in the current position of power, which worked against the black family structure, i.e. institutionalized racism all throughout the fabric of this country. We do not need more seats in leadership. We do not need a black uh, you know, we don't need BET to be black owned again. What we need is independence and self-determination. Thank you. And the same question to you, Katina. I still haven't heard how feminism is destroying the black family yet. Which you I are in the negative for. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't either. So I would agree <laughs> with that statement. Um, it's not a question, but I, I have yet to hear it either. Um, I think we're in, in our fight to be emancipated, um, to be liberated from a white supremacist culture um, and system and institutions, we're needed everywhere. And so to make an argument that because feminism places women, um, black women, first and foremost, or, or I'll say black women um, above black men, because ultimately that's what the argument boils down to. We need to be in those seats just like black men need to be in those seats. And when we are in those seats, we are the ones that bring black men into those places and those positions of power along with us. It's been shown, it's been documented that when black women do well, black men and children do well and the black community as a whole does well. 
So I have yet to hear from my opponent either how feminism is destroying the black family. Thank you so much. And now for our third and final question from our audience. To what degree have feminist values and assumptions penetrated the attitudes of everyday people within the black community? From your perspective, has it been positive or negative? Share concrete examples. Janaba? Um, to what degree has feminist penetrated the out of? Well, I think that, you know, calling them feminist values and assumptions penetrating the attitudes of everyday people, the reality is that black women have had to leave despite everything that we've been through. The problem is when we have outsiders who are within our lives basically helping us to drive the argument in a way where it does need to be. We need to be focused on the liberation of our people as a whole, not trying to segment um, a portion of our leadership as though we're competing on who's been colonizers worse. It, we have to work together because we have one common enemy and white women start to contribute and support the one that keeps them on the pedestal. Thank you, Janaba. Katina, the same question to you. To what degree have feminist values and assumptions penetrated the attitudes of everyday people within the black community? From your perspective, has it been positive or negative? Share concrete examples. Um, I don't think necessarily that the feminist values and assumptions have penetrated the attitudes of everyday people. Um, let's be, you know, that's the question, so I'll say that. Um, from the degree that it has touched, influenced um, people within our community, um, I think it has been mixed as, as far as positive and or negative. Um, and sh oh, there's our time. And there's there's time for that. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, ladies. And thanks so much to our audience for submitting questions. We've come to our closing statements. Each participant will provide an uninterrupted closing statement. We will hear the affirmative closing statement from Janaba Phillips. Okay. So, you know, she said that the roots of sexism and homophobia are found in the same economic and political institutions that serve as the foundation of racism in this country. And more often than not, the same extremist circles that inflict violence on people of color are responsible for the eruptions of violence inspired by sexism and homophobic vices. Our political activism must clearly manifest our understanding of these connections. She said that. The point is, do not let them define you or your struggle, and don't let them dictate when and how and why you resist. We're African people and African people were not fighting some Karen to lead you or to use fancy big words. Truly didn't want to use. Sojourner's last name was Truth. She knew and she saw it, so don't let them pull the wool over our eyes. And to quote Yejide Oromula, the leader of the African National Women's Organization, 
their call for women's liberation really meant the liberation of white women on the pedestal of the oppression of the entire African nation. This is the foundation of modern feminism, which focuses on patriarchy as the main opposition. We must reject the separation of black feminism from white feminism. Feminism is feminism. Even this whole intersectional white feminism, all it does is cloak white feminism from criticism for their opportunity. It's not going to be destroyed if women get higher up on the ladder and all you're going to find is white women doing more of the oppression or black women or whoever they let up there. It's time for women to join the revolutionary African leadership so we can cut the root of the issue, black women, men, and children, which is colonialism. For many years, it's been said that feminism has contributed to the destruction of the black family. That hypothesis ignores the contributing factors that are and have been intentional and codified in Eurocentric ideology in white supremacist culture or what some call racism. Now that we've established this argument has zero merit whatsoever, let's try to call it what it really is. And that really is uh, the notion to shame women into compliance and silence. This argument is generally made by black men. Black men want black women to cape the supposedly submissive qualities of other groups while simultaneously claiming feminism is the white women's fight. How does that work? You want to cape white patriarchy, then act confused and attacked because they're black feminists? Let's do some math. If white patriarchy equals white feminism, then black patriarchy equals what? If you guess black feminists, then ding, 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 you won. Stop trying to sell black women on oppression just because you put a black face on it. Patriarchy is white supremacy. If you don't want black feminism to exist, then create a black community that is, pro, that is as pro-black women as it is pro-black men. If not, then just be honest and admit that you have no real reason to be anti-women's rights and that you're just a regular old sexist <laughs> posing as a revolutionary. Newsflash, there is nothing revolutionary about patriarchy. It is literally the oldest trick in the book. So our argument was supposed to be that feminism contributed to the demise of the black family. I don't know that we even actually got there. And just because I'm arguing in the negative doesn't necessarily mean, no, it does not mean that I identify as a feminist. All in all, I don't identify as a feminist because I'm against the integrationist aspect of the feminist movement. I identify as a womanist. However, this nonsense just needed to be addressed because I'm tired of seeing it. Black feminists, black single mothers, black women, you are not responsible for the death of black family because you desire equality. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. Thank you so much to both of our participants, Jaina Phillips and Katina K. Taylor for participating in the Great Debate League. Thank you to our audience for watching and submitting questions. Please donate to our Cash App so that we can continue to grow. Also check us out on our YouTube channel, Great Debate League Inc. And you can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and iHeartRadio. We would like to thank TT Talks, LLC, for supporting tonight's event. For more information, you can visit their website, tttalks.com, or find them on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Instagram. If you would like to sponsor a future debate, 
please contact us at thegreatdebateleague at gmail.com. We will post a Facebook poll on the Great Debate League group page. Please go there to vote. The poll will be up for 24 hours after the debate. Ladies, we'll see who won the debate. Our next debate, GDL 8, is August 13th. Esther Anglande versus Linda Spence. Does spanking negatively affect black children? Good night, everyone. We invite you to rejoin us in a few moments for a post-debate analysis. And welcome back to everyone from that station break. You are listening to the Great Debate League, which you can find on Facebook. And they also have a Facebook group, which you can find from the Great Debate League on page on Facebook. And you can check out the poll there and also the video of the post-debate analysis with many insightful comments on the quality of the argument. And um, I couldn't possibly comment on the debate other than to say that Katina Taylor is actually the vice president of KKFI, so I might have been a smidge biased in her favour, but uh, that's uh, totally unfair of me to say. And I do also want to say that uh, you could also hear the voice of Ebony, who has long been a volunteer coordinator at KKFI and now runs the show Ebony's Bones on Wednesday evenings, where you can hear about colonialism and its impact on people of colour, particularly the black community, and issues of interest to Kansas City community. I think that one of the things that struck me a little bit from it was something Katina's opponent said that uh, where she seemed to be qualifying her argument on the fact that white women were not leading black feminism. That was it, it w- w- wasn't her exact words, but it appeared to be that that's what she was saying. And I, being a white woman, have I feel very uncomfortable about white people leading black feminism. It seems to me that we should be providing true equity, resources, capabilities, and accessibility and everything possible to support, but we should not be the voices at the, we should not be the leading voices at the table. We should not be the leaders. We should clear the path for the black leaders. And that I, I know there is a local uh, racial justice organization that basically says, you know, that I have a bit of problem with them because, and I'm not the only one, including a lot of persons of color who say, this organization wants white people to get together on their own to meet and decide how to fight racism. And that sounds almost like textbook white supremacy to me at first blush. I can I can see both sides of the argument there because there are an awful lot of white people who, when someone says that's racism, they tend to say, oh, can you explain to me how this is racism or can you explain to me what this term is when 
In many cases, a quick trip to Google or any other search engine of your choice would give you umpteen accounts of what that means and what the impact is. But people keep wanting the people of color to do the work of re-explaining it or reliving their trauma and their pain to share their experience over and over again. So I can see the argument of white people need to do more work, but there is this huge risk of telling white people to go away and do the work where they will come up with this idea that they think is absolutely wonderful and brilliant and will solve everything and they're solving the wrong problem. And because white people still have the dominant power, they will put that potentially wrong-headed action into force and cause, in effect, further disadvantage and further racism. It's When I have been talking to uh, white feminists about this, I start to hear, I start to put in terms of my specific uh, oppressed minority group. Would I, as an intersex transgender woman, want a group of cisgender people sitting around deciding how to end transphobia? That, that thought just kind of horrifies me. I'll never forget the time there was a debate on the transgender experience at a local church and I was initially invited to it and they uninvited me because they said they had a only space for six people and they wanted a doctor on the panel and I looked at the debate and said you have six people on the panel I recognize these names none of these people are trans they said well we don't really need any trans people on the panel to discuss trans issues for an hour and a half and I just sat back in my chair and said, that's got to be the dumbest thing that I have heard in a very long time. I think you said more than that, but thankfully I don't have yeah, to hit I, the bleep button. I, I, wanted, I don't want to have be hit with a seven-second delete, but that, that was, it was insulting. It was demeaning. It, was, it made me feel like I was an object or like I was a problem or like I was a, an outcast lowest caste member of society that my superiors were going to be deciding what to do about the problem of all these trannies out there. It's like the thing that an awful lot of charities do. The charities decide that, say, a particular community needs spectacles or that they need rice or something, and they buy that probably in their home country, improving the balance of trade for that country, and then they pay for it to be shipped all the way across to wherever they're donating these things. And then that stuff is distributed by people who may or may not pass all of it on to the recipients it was intended for. Because so many charities and so many people have the idea that if you give someone money, they won't spend it on what will actually solve their problem, even though they themselves know what their problems are and their local situation. And people have finally started to do studies on what happens if charities or even individuals for test cases of scientific studies give people money that have problems. And nine times out of ten or more, they spend the money on solving their problems and by any objective measure, they're better off a year later or three years later than the people that people came up with some harebrained scheme to try and help those people are. It sounds like colonialism thought, really, just to say that these poor ignorant people don't know what to do with the money, so we'll just decide for them. 
And I'm not 100% sure where you draw the line between colonialism and patriarchy because all of the colonialist institutions are riddled through with patriarchy and vice versa. I, not being a black woman, I can only go off what I listen to, what I think about, what I am taught by, by hearing the voices and the, reading the writings of black feminists. But it seems that fourth wave feminism is getting better and really addressing the intersectionality, but it's definitely split off from white fourth wave feminism because black fourth wave fem feminism is also focusing on the systemic and systematic brutality of law enforcement against the black community, making it a bigger issue. I've never heard a white feminist woman of any generation say the main thing we need to stop is brutality of police against white women. I've never heard that happen. So black feminism is addressing many intersectional issues at the same time. And it's also addressing the double standards. For instance, a white uh, Gen Zer or millennial who's wearing dreadlocks or black hairstyle, they're considered edgy. They're considered you know, trendy and so forth like that. But a black woman is pressured to have white hair to be successful. And it's no wonder why that sort of appropriation causes anger when you think about it. At least they're finally starting to pass laws like the Crown Laws to stop people's natural hair from being held against them and recognizing it as a source of discrimination. I think only KCMO has passed such a law. There's lots of uh, states or the cities. I mean in our region. Oh, right. Yeah, so that was, and Katina Taylor was instrumental in helping to organize and work together with many women to get that law passed. So even more kudos for her. Yes, she's an awesome person that we're lucky to have at KKFI. Absolutely. We have some of the best people here, and this is an example of, you know, who we want to have as a voice of the community, by the community. Thinking of voices of the community, I need to remind everyone that coming up next after this show, we have Urban Connections, usually led by the awesome Donna Wolf, who then comes back later in the evening to do her reggae show. And after that, we have the always awesome Unbossed and Unbothered with Diva Sean Gilmore. And I don't have anything other to say than uh, I know with D. Rashawn, I could listen to him read the phone book. I mean, he really has always has something cogent, on target, and thrilling to listen to. So please stay tuned. And we're going to leave you with Summer. <laughs> 